there was two versions of me existing and one was totally broken and defeated and the other one was like I know why this happened I'm going to become an epic like survivor advocate I'm going to use this to make change like and really my grief was not um wow like spirit and the world is bad my grief was why have we forgotten that spirit and the world is beautiful this is the empowered spirituality podcast the podcast about inclusive spirituality empowered spirituality is all about connecting and aligning to your own higher self all religions, spiritual practices and beliefs, sexual orientations, gender identities and expressions are welcomed and celebrated here. I am your host, Samantha Nagel, owner of and coach at Empowered Spirituality, LLC. Every Wednesday, I will share a guided meditation practice, and every Thursday, I will share inspirational teachings or interviews with people with different spiritual practices, beliefs, and opinions. Come every week with an open mind, taking what you like and leaving the rest. Welcome to Empowered Spirituality. Hello and welcome to the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. Today I will be joined with Marley Liss, she, her, a sensual reclamation coach. She's also a speaker and an author and an embodied activist. Um, and she actually made history in the justice system when her sexual assault case became the first in North America in the justice system to conclude with restorative justice. And since then, she's been coaching women and helping other people reclaim their sensuality. Marley is so down-to-earth, so kind, so wise, and so spiritually oriented and heart-centered. So it was so amazing to get to talk to her and to hear her very, very beautiful story. So like I said, Marley was sexually assaulted. Um, So we don't really go into depth about the sexual assault, but just so you know, we do mention it, and we do mention um, the struggles that she faced afterwards, and she briefly mentions that she has suicidal thoughts. So if any of this is going to be overwhelming for you to listen to, maybe skip this episode or wait until you can listen to this episode in a safe container like your home or where you have support available. But I will say we mostly focus on empowerment, sensuality, and healing. We talked about a lot of things, though. We talked about her embodied activism. We talk about the importance of listening and valuing our own needs, whether someone else values them or not. Um, we just talked about so much. Um, we talked about how when we heal ourselves, we also heal others. And when others heal themselves, they heal more people. And just what, what a beautiful and service-oriented thing that it is to truly heal ourselves. So without further ado, um, you're going to love this episode with Marley Liss. All right, I am joined today by the lovely Marley Liss. Marley Liss, she, her, is a central reclamation coach, speaker, author, and restorative justice advocate. She is a queer, Jewish, sparkle-loving feminist and trailblazer. Marley made history in the justice system when her sexual assault case became the first in North America to conclude with restorative justice. 
Since then, she has coached women internationally in reclaiming sensuality and embodied leadership. Marley has shared her voice via Forbes, HuffPost, BuzzFeed, and Mel Robbins Show, in addition to consulting for government officials working to end gender-based violence. Thank you for coming, Marley. Welcome to Empowered Spirituality. I'm so excited to have you here today. Yay, thank you so much for having me and for the beautiful intro. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for giving it to me. <laughs> um, so I just want to start by saying um, I heard your story through another podcast, uh, The Spiritually, Sa Spiritually Sassy Show, um, and I was so moved by your story and by your courage and by your vulnerability. So I just want to say thank you so much for coming today, but also thank you so much for being such an open book and for doing the work that you've been doing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been a really big journey and an amazing journey and whole journey to share it. And just the beauty is that I get to connect with so many people like yourself. Mm. So yeah, thank you. Mm, thank you. Um, so as your bio says, you made history in the justice system when your sexual assault case became the first in North America to conclude with restorative justice. Um, so can you start by explaining maybe what restorative justice is? Yes. So restorative justice is an approach to justice that's rooted in indigenous, Jewish, and Mennonite cultures. So just to clarify, my case was the first to conclude with restorative justice in North America through the courts. Um, mm. But in all realness, like indigenous communities have been doing this for a long time outside of the system. So to put this in really simple terms, it basically means that after I experienced sexual assault, instead of um, following through with, with fighting for my assailant to go to prison, we sort of redirected things from criminal trial. And instead, I fought for him to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. And eventually, we met in a restorative circle. And so restorative justice basically means that we're putting repair before mm -hmm. punishment. So instead of saying how, what's a suitable way to punish the perpetrator? We say, how can we actually repair the harm that was caused here? Wow. I'm so inspired by even your maturity and your, your perspective and, and your courage to want something like restorative justice. Um, I'm curious what drew you to restorative justice. Yeah, it's interesting because I didn't know about restorative justice until I guess about a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. I always I always get very surprised by the timeline because this feels so long ago now, but it really wasn't that long ago. Like it was really just before COVID that this circle happened and I shared with the media and everything. Um, yeah, it's pretty, it's been wild <laughs> to yeah. say the least. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't know that restorative justice existed. Most of us don't, unless we were raised within those cultures that created it. Um, and that's a big reason I am so passionate about sharing about it is like, mm -hmm. I think we all deserve to know about it, even if we don't want it. Mm -hmm. I feel we all deserve to at least know our options and make an, an empowered informed decision from that place when it comes to justice. So I had no idea it existed. And I was basically saying to very close friends for years, cause I reported the assaults in 2016 
And then Mm -hmm. for three years, I went through the punitive system because I, it's just all I knew. I was like, if I was like, I either do something, which would be the punitive system or nothing at all, which would be don't report, try to move on, which I couldn't fathom that I really wanted some kind of closure. Mm -hmm. So I reported and started going down that path. But from the very beginning, it, it felt so wrong to me. It felt so like dehumanizing the way I was treated in the system. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't see how fighting for this person to go to prison would create any actual change. I was like, what's the point? Like, he's going to go, he's going to sit in a cell and get angry and more mad and just be immersed in a culture of violence and then Mm -hmm. get out and what, like, where, where does the harm, the cycle of harm, where does it actually end? So to very close friends, I would kind of like say my actual desire, which was, you know, in my world, I would sit down with this person who was a stranger to me and I'd be able to ask the questions I had, like these burning questions of like, why, like, what, how did this happen? Like how, um, and, and in my, in my world, we'd cry about it together. Like, that's kind of what, but I really deemed that delusional. I was like, Marley, that's not how things work in this world. Like, don't be naive. Um, Just go along with this stuff and just don't really think about that. And it wasn't until I said that to a friend, like, like fast forward three years after the assault, I was subpoenaed to go to criminal trial and I was about to drop the charges. I said to her, I I can't do this. It's so hard. And I don't see the point. And I don't believe in it. So why am I putting myself through such pain for something I don't believe in? And she said, well, what do you actually want? And I said that vision in my world, we'd sit down, blah, blah, blah. And she said, so make it happen. And it was the first time I'd even considered Mm -hmm. acting on it. Like it's the first time I can even considered validating my wants so much that I'd act on them and so after that it kind of like lit a little fire in me and I started researching and that's when I found restorative justice and I was amazed I was like wow this thing that made sense to me like in my soul in my bones like it's actually a thing it has a name it has a history has a lineage I was wow um so that's when I started learning more about it that's when I found a lawyer and everything and I asked for it. Um, I don't even remember the wording of your original question. I'm like, did I answer it? <laughs> yes, you did. You did. Thank you. Yeah. And what I really heard you say twice was, first, this was your actual desire. Mm-hmm. And then you said that you validated your wants so much so that you pursued them. And I'm curious, did that change the way that you viewed your desires? And ha- like, has that has your relationship with your desires and your wants changed since then? Oh my gosh. Yes. And that's a huge part of the work I do with women now is like, uh, like honoring what we want and need instead of judging it, because how sad is it that that's what most of us do? Like I, I got horribly hurt, right? Like in a horrible way, like deep, deep violation. And instead of saying to myself, Oh, what do you actually want? Okay. That's, that's what would be healing for you. That sounds important. Instead of talking to myself like that, I was like, 
wow, Marley, like you're being so naive right now. This is why you got hurt in the first place. Cause you're so naive because wow. you're so delusional about how the world works. And I was like, oh my God, like that is so mean. It's so, we're so mean to ourselves sometimes when what we really need is to just hear ourselves out, listen to ourselves, parent ourselves, be like, oh, wow. Yeah. That sounds like it'd be really healing to cry with that person. Wow. Yeah. yeah like that is important. Um, so getting to a place and of course, like this was a huge catalyst in my healing journey. Um, and so I was doing deep, 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 deep work in so many ways after the, the rape. And I did, I eventually got to that place of like, wow, we're so mean to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then I experienced the alternative of, well, what actually happens when I, when I validate my own needs enough that I'm willing to fiercely advocate for them. And that is when like my life really changed. Of course, privilege comes into that as well. Because if someone else in a different body, I'm, I'm a white woman, I'm a cisgender woman. Um, if someone else came in and asked for what they wanted, they might not get that, unfortunately. And I hope that that can change and I can play a role in changing that. But, or, and like, I really have experienced that all over my life in relationships, like all over the place. If I get to a place of validating my needs enough that I ask for them, that's already such an empowerment. It's like, yes, I want the outcome to be me getting what I asked for, but me validating myself enough to ask for it is already healing in so many ways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and a side note, I love that you changed but to and. I thought that was so... Mm. people do that yes um, and <laughs> I just want to sit with what you said for a moment and even if that hadn't gone the way that you wanted the fact that you knew yourself and instead of shaming those desires and wants you decided to listen to them and hear them like a loving parent would to an inner child thank you so much for sharing that yeah thank you yeah. So you had this want and you had this desire and you decided to listen to it. Um, but I believe that you really had to advocate for yourself to get this outcome. Is that true? Yeah, it definitely, definitely is. And um, I mean, I want to say like victims in the justice system are, are seen as weak and looked down upon, but I think that's true for anyone who's suffering in our world, like people with depression are looked down upon and invalidated people with anxiety, people going through loss, all these things. So when I asked for this, the, the prosecutor's response wasn't like, oh, wow, let's try and make that happen. It was, oh, honey, like you don't understand how bad this is, do you? Like almost like I had Stockholm syndrome, very yeah. condescending. And I, I really, I really honor myself for how that meeting went down. Cause I feel like my like ancient justice, like fierce, like, no, hear me out. Self came out. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, actually, like, I believe that rape is so bad that we have to try something different. Cause what we're doing isn't working. Yeah. It's, it's not working. Rates of sexual assault have not declined with this. We didn't solve sexual assault with the system. Far from it. 
far from it. So that's kind of where I came from. And something she also said was, you know, Marley, with the Me Too movement, people want to see rapists locked up for a longer amount of time. And I was like, the irony of using the Me Too movement to try and silence a survivor's voice. I was like, that is not, that is not what the Me Too movement is. That's not reflective of of what that movement is. Um, So I really did, I really advocated for myself, but there did come a, a point where my lawyer was like, it's out of our hands. Like, well, we'll see what happens. And something I did say at that point was, my my whole birth chart is fire, by the way. But something <laughs> I said at that point was, if this happens, I'm going to be very loud about it. If this doesn't happen, I'm going to be very loud about it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So something kind of amazing that happened was there was actually another prosecutor in the room that day. And she was really just there to kind of witness and essentially hand the case off to this other mm-hmm. prosecutor. Yeah. But thank goddess she was there because she was the one who really kind of stepped in and said, I, I hear what you're saying, Marley. Like, I agree with you. The system's not working. Victims are re-traumatized. Assailants get off without punishment at all most of the time. And when they are incarcerated, like I was saying before, it often leads to more violence. It doesn't lead to any lasting change or repair. So she was like, I'm for this. And we left that room and they kind of like battled it out. The two prosecutors Mm kind of like fought for my case. And there was about a month, maybe even longer, where I didn't know what was going to happen. And I had to kind of come to peace with all possible outcomes. And I really felt at that point, I'm either dropping the charges or doing restorative justice. I'm Mm -hmm. not going back to trial. I don't want to, I don't believe in it. Um, But eventually I did, I did get that call from my, my lawyer said, um, we did it. Like we started, it's going to happen. Your assailant's going to start therapy right away. And eventually you'll meet in that circle. And again, there's all these, like we were saying before, it's not really about the outcome. It's all these breakthrough moments that happen along the way. So me asking for what I wanted to, to a prosecutor was already such a reclamation of power. And then me getting that outcome, forget, like not forget the circle, because that was huge, but like that moment alone was so incredibly empowering and that little inner self in me who had was judging myself as naive for having these wants I was like see see Mm -hmm. like you have so much wisdom and healing for our world if you keep honoring Mm -hmm. yourself like you don't have to you don't have to like contort yourself to fit into these boxes you can actually ask the boxes to expand to match your own heart that's really what it felt like wow ask the boxes to expand to meet your own heart is that what you said yeah something like that (laughs) (laughs) that's beautiful um and you're right it is so ironic that someone used the me too movement to silence your voice but also to put someone this like vague populations once maybe once ahead of yours, who was actually affected by this situation. And Mm -hmm. not only is it so beautiful that you went forward 
with your wants and your desires, with your voice. But then when you were told no, and you were talked down to, you even, you advocated for your voice and your wants even more. That -hmm. must've been so difficult. Yeah, it's, it, it was. And this is a really big reason why something I'm absolutely in love with talking about right now is the ripples of our reclamation. Because for me, it was such a kind of dramatic example. It's like I focused on my own healing so much. And just to reiterate, I really did. Like after that rape, I spiraled, spiraled, spiraled to the point of like considering taking my own life, all these things. And my healing became quite literally do or die. Um, I went to therapy. I worked with an indigenous elders started getting into somatic healing I traveled all over the world lived on like tantric communes and ashrams and did my yoga training like I really tried everything or dove into everything in order to heal and that was such a process of personal empowerment beyond the rape Mm -hmm. it was like really through my whole life like oh wow you know yeah like reclaiming so much and all of that allowed me Mm. to stand up for myself in that room and so I see that so clearly because I focused on my own healing and reclamation so much that Mm. rippled out to transform the justice system Mm. and I see that all the time with the women I work with and people in my life like we heal ourselves and our our partner changes or the way that people parent changes the way that like they lead in their communities or their career changes. And it's just amazing, like what, what the ripples are when we claim that empowerment. Mm, That's beautiful. And a lot of the healing work that you did was very diverse. So it sounds like you didn't just go to talk therapy. It sounds like you did the somatic healing and the yoga and a lot of spiritual embodiments of healing. Um, what was that journey like and what inspired you to be so diverse in your healing? Hmm. Cool question. So I was already super into self-help and spirituality for some reason, since I was like 15, I, I used to skip high school classes to go to yoga. I, I don't know, like I, to be honest, I think my intentions were not so beautiful at that time. Um, consciously I was like, Oh, I'd rather like burn calories than sit in a class. That was like my thinking, if I'm being totally honest. And the result was I realized there's so much more to yoga than burning calories at a very young age. And so through that, I met, I met people at this yoga studio that, oh my gosh, have you read Eckhart Tolle? I was like, no, I haven't. And then my favorite book in grade 11 was The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. So yeah. I was really already connected with this path of like holistic, alternative, spiritual healing from yeah. a pretty young age. And even um, before the rape, I was actually living for three months on an ashram that was exists like it was an ashram for the divine feminine so we learned about goddess archetypes we meditated every morning we journaled like we ate silently it was it was and I was 21 years old and that's where I lived for three months um and I was also studying social work 
So I was already on a very similar trajectory. And when I got home from that ashram, I said, this is what I want to dedicate my life to is like Mm -hmm. women's, women's empowerment, women's reclamation, like this divine feminine stuff. I love it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And just a week after I got home is when I, when I experienced rape. Mm -hmm. Um, And without, without saying like, because I think that it's really important to acknowledge that there's so many different truths happening at once. Mm -hmm. And like, by no means was this my fault. And by no means was this, is this anyone's fault when we're raped other than the rapist. And at the same time, I also do believe that it was, um, as Saw says, like a blessing in drag, like Mm -hmm. it was, it was meant to happen on some level. And I feel like I, I kind of proclaim to the universe, like, I want to help women with sensual empowerment. That's really part of what I discovered on the ashram. It was like, wow, this sexuality piece, the sensuality piece. Um, and I, pl- I started planning my first workshop. I was going to lead a workshop um, and I started planning it. And then that happened a week later. And obviously I canceled it and I went deep into my own darkness and like dark night of the soul around sexuality and sensuality how women are treated in the world how we're treating each other as human beings all these things and um that's kind of where I started that like cycle of healing from Mm -hmm. that place so I already was very exposed to all these things um so I kept going and I really love bridging it all like not saying oh Mm -hmm. do I have to choose between therapy or divine feminine embodiment practices no I don't I can do all of it so I did therapy I did reclamation through dance like I did so many different things and that's really why wow thank you for sharing that part of your story Mm -hmm. um and I'm curious you don't have to answer of course but you were so spiritual and so grounded in your spirituality and your sense of being and then this happened a week later did that, did that make you question your faith or did that make you falter in your spirituality? Yeah, interesting. It, it did, you know what it did for me is like it ended the version of spirituality that I lived in that was very like love and light only. Mm. Um, because I feel like up until that point in my life, I did not express sadness. I did not express anger. I was all rainbows and sunshine. I had a lot of deep body shame. And whenever I practiced self-care, it would be very much about like connecting with the stars and the cosmos and all that is good and beautiful, but I was completely ignoring my body, my anger, my sadness, my humanness, essentially. Um, And I had a lot of unresolved sexual shame from a lot of my first experiences. And I'm still unpacking this. I'm like, I I also didn't know I was gay (laughs) up until like the past year or so. So I think there was just so much in there that I was really kind of covering up with like transcendence. And I think a lot of my, my spirituality in the past was really um, well-intentioned dissociation is what I want to say. 
um you know what I mean like instead of feeling my feels I was like I'll just meditate and connect with a different planet like (laughs) no yeah so I feel like what this did was it I felt like it knocked me out of the clouds like I felt Mm. like I was like like going through life like a Kirby, you know, a Kirby, <laughs> like bouncing through the clouds and stars. And then this was like, boom, get on the earth. And at first it was like, I was in like a pit, like a hole, like a black mm-hmm. hole of despair. And it was horrible. Um, but I, ne- you know what? I never, I never lost my faith. I, from it was, it was, and like, my mom talks about this too, like, cause she was a huge supporter for me at that time. Like mm. there was two versions of me existing and one was totally broken and defeated. And the other one was like, mm. I know why this happened. I'm going to become an epic, like survivor advocate. I'm going to use this to make change. Like, and really my grief was not, um, wow. Like, spirit and the world is bad my grief was why have we forgotten that spirit and the world is beautiful Mm. yeah oh that's beautiful and I think that's so common or maybe it's even the reverse where we go through something really dark and we're very low and then we're like oh no I'm just gonna be up here (laughs) yeah Um, and yours (laughs) happened to be the reverse of that but I think that's really common um and I'm curious how you and I love that you said too, that you're still unpacking. Cause I feel like sometimes we see these like beautiful teachers and we're like, oh, now they're perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think it's so important for people like you to say, I'm still unpacking this and I'm never going to be completely healed. Um, but I'm curious, how, how do you integrate and handle when those dark emotions come up now that you have so much balance in your life? Yeah, good question. Um, and yeah, thank you for saying that. Cause I, I actually talked on my Instagram about pedestaling people the other day and how mm-hmm. harmful it is for ourselves and the other person when we forget that we're all flawed, we're all perfect and imperfect and flawed and beautiful and all these things. Um, I feel like, I feel like what there's so many kind of tools in my toolkit for dealing for navigating those emotions one of my favorite ones right now is um letting the emotion move through me in an exaggerated way which is actually quite Mm. playful like I almost pretend I'm like a theater major and like like the other day like yesterday I woke up feeling sad like really sad Mm. and I put on a dramatic, I put on this Taylor Swift playlist that's like <laughs> Taylor Swift songs to scream sing <laughs> and I like sat on this bed that's behind me and I like sat on my belly and I like let my arms hang off the bed and I was like uh, just like <laughs> letting myself be so dramatic like letting myself really feel what that emotion is yeah. and it's almost like really giving it the space and being like, yeah, you deserve to be felt emotion. Like you deserve to be felt and seen and expressed. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's really just about not resisting it. Cause I, I don't think emotions are painful. I think resisting emotions and judging and shaming emotions is what's painful. So I let, I let myself like be so dramatic and kind of 
even though it's like I'm sad I'm also kind of having fun with it like it's almost like I'm in a music video and it's like raining and my hands on the window like and it's black and white like I let myself really go there and then and then it just kind of ends it just kind of it just kind of ends and I guess that's really what I've been playing around with movement. Like when I, when I feel sadness, that really works for me. When I feel anger, it's usually the same thing, but with movement. So like walking, like putting on a really angry playlist, like walking down the street, like, like I'm like a fucking superhero and I'm like, and there's like no stopping me. And I like, imagine there's like fire beaming out my eyes. And then again, it's just like, I feel it so much that it moves through me pretty quickly yeah yeah um, hopefully that comes through <laughs> that's my response to that <laughs> I hope other people can see this fire <laughs> yes yeah oh, I love that and I must say are there any other kind of Taylor Swift songs <laughs> oh other my gosh right <laughs> like yes oh my gosh so good like the all too well bridges I'm like ah <laughs> That is, I love that you're incorporating playfulness. And I feel yeah. like sometimes even me, I'll be like, well, I'm depressed. Let's do like, I'm depressed. And I really embody and like stick to the narrative of being depressed. And you, yeah. you allow it to be with you and you allow it to have that narrative, but you're also being playful and fun at the same time. And I, you mentioned that too, of um, having the duality of saying, I know why this happened. And it's almost like this happened for a reason for my growth and development. And also I'm not doing okay. I'm yeah. very upset about the fact that this happened. And I don't like it. And I, I love that. It seems like a lot of the work that you're doing is really holding space for you to be a dual person. I think yeah. that is so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, that I think that's so important. And anytime it's really like, this is why I use the word wholeness in almost mm -hmm. every program I do. Like my program is called like Central Wholeness Academy because it's always exactly what you're saying acknowledging like I can be devastated and faithful at the same time and I think when we doubt that that's when we really 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 struggle because we're mm -hmm. like we don't understand how we can be both of those things at the same time and that feels important for my story too I definitely get a lot of projections where people think that I was some like saint dressed in all white who was like my assailant deserves to heal like mm. and that's not true like yeah there was that aspect of me and there was a really angry pissed off woman in me mm. there was a really devastated woman in me there was a very scared inner child in me like all of these yeah. things were living at once and I think that's really really important to name. So thank you for that. Mm, thank you. Um, and I know that you mentioned your mediation circle and, and you didn't mention it here, but I've heard your other interviews and I know that you were allowed people to come with you and he was also allowed, I don't know if it was one or more people to come with him. Um, and so I know that a big part of restorative justice is about community as well. And so I'm curious about what that was like to share your healing and community and then also how you've taken that community mindedness with you especially in your work mm -hmm. yeah that's I think one of the most beautiful aspects of restorative justice is it really acknowledges that 
many, many, many people are affected by trauma, right? Mm -hmm. Like this trauma changed my mom's life. It changed my sister's life. It changed my dad's life. Like it really, it really ripples in that way. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and also I think anytime a a woman is abused, it affects Mm -hmm. all of us it sends a message to all of us. We maybe question our own safety more. Old stuff gets brought up. Like we are this connected. So I love that restorative justice is acknowledging that and saying that these people should be in the room, not just to support the person harmed, but to also get closure for themselves. So that's really why they were in the room. So my mom, my sister was there um, and my assailant brought a friend with him. And the the ripples that happened through that um amazed me because his his friend's life was changed like his friend shared his friend broke down sobbing about 40 minutes into the circle like bent over sobbing sobbing so like with sound like sobbing with phoenix and then he got up and he said i don't know what's going on i never cry in front of people I was in the military. My dad always taught me like, don't cry in front of you. I don't know what's happening to me right now. This is just so real and so powerful. And at the end of the day, he shared um, in my 25 years of life, I forgot the exact numbers. It was like in my 25 years of life, eight years of work, four years of school, I've learned more today than I have in my entire life. And that blew my mind because I know that he's treating women differently now. He's treating his mom differently. He's treating his emotions differently now. Yeah. He's he's seeing other people crying differently now. So yeah. That really 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 amazed me and made me so aware of the realness of community and like I was saying like the ripples of reclamation and how connected we all are and I really Mm -hmm. see that for all of us like we do our own healing work and eventually we were able to like carry a torch for our communities around us and pass on what Mm -hmm. we've healed and learned and that that excites me like the most (laughs) yeah wow how was it to see him and maybe even your assailant feel these like strong even sad emotions like how did it feel to hold space for that yeah cool question so to to be very clear there was two mediators in the room and they were there holding the space um I definitely didn't feel like I had to hold space you know what I mean? I really felt I was there for me. And I did a lot, a lot, a lot of work. And again, we're talking about duality. Like after I got that call that the circle was going to happen, I feel like for about four months, I was in something deeper than celebration mode. It was like, wow, like I, I made it out of the shit. And my I'm, I'm, I believe more in who I am and what I feel than ever before. Um, and then about a month before the circle, I was freaking out. I was, I was not like, I was not like, wow, (laughs) I was like, I was shaking. I was like, 
I need to go back to therapy. Like all this stuff's coming up. Like when I sat in that circle, my body was physically shaking. Um, I will never like minimize that. Cause that, that is so real. Like that, that was scary, you know? Yeah. Um, so I did a lot of inner work and received a lot, like sought out a lot of support leading up to the circle. And um, so I felt very anchored in my, my intention and clarity of like, this is for me. This circle is, is for me to have my needs met and to finally, after three years, receive the closure that I deserve, right? So I really, really didn't have any of that that stuff of like oh mm. I need to hold space for them like I did I didn't have that um in a nice way so mm. yeah but but so so what amazed me with restorative justice is like it almost was never like um it almost was never like someone else's need is contradicting mine. It was almost always like their need is matching my need. So, so to give an example, I had a need to see my assailant shed tears about what he had done. Mm. And that was my need. And so when he did shed tears, I wasn't like, oh, I'm holding space. I was like, my need is being met right now because I'm seeing and feeling that he does have remorse. He does have a heart. He is a human being with, with feelings and care, and he does have empathy. Um, that's something I really, really, really needed for myself. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was so miraculous the way that it was like everyone being authentic and honoring ourselves, like served the whole circle. It seems mm. like, yeah, yeah. Wow. What an experience you went through. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you never know where life will take you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, and you mentioned when something happens to one woman, it feels like it happens to all of us at times, um, especially in the way that we start to it's like this woman has, this woman has, this woman has, I have, you start to question your own safety. Um, and that's why the work that you're doing, even after this has happened to you, and I know now you must work with a lot of other women who similar things have happened to them, but still being able to reclaim your own sensuality and your own body and help other people do it at the same time. I just can't imagine the strength and the, the beauty and the duality that must bring for you. Hmm. Yeah, it's, I, I really will say, like, I love it so much. Like, I love what I do so much. And in all realness, every session I lead serves me as much as it does my clients. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's been one session where a woman shared in depth about a trauma and I think it's just the state I was in that day like I was a wreck afterwards you know I like led yeah. a I led a gorgeous session and then I was a wreck afterwards yeah of course but but since then I haven't I haven't felt that that's not to say I'll never feel that again 
I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, I probably will, but something, something about like, I just, I love the transformation so much. And I know something, I know we haven't woven in yet, but I know you, you had wrote in your questions, like embodied activism. What does that mean? Cause that's a term I've said before. And yeah, I just, I, I personally find so much hope and beauty in seeing women come home to ourselves and like, oh, I almost feel like I'm a midwife for that. Like I'm like midwifing women and coming yeah. home to ourselves and without even setting it up this way, it just always happens that women come home to ourselves and we celebrate, we like, and we grieve too. We like grieve and we also celebrate. Um, and at some point we, we alchemize, like we turn our pain into purpose and whether it's transforming the justice system or starting a podcast or having the most incredible intimacy of their lives or coming out of the closet or whatever it is like, yeah, those, those tangible changes, like I, that's like soul food for me. Like I, I'm so in love with that and I'm so grateful and humbled by it that there's just nothing else in the world I'd rather be doing. I think it would like really deeply hurt me to not do this work actually. Mm, Yeah. Is that what, um, thank you for bringing up embodied activism. And would you say that that's a big part of embodied activism, which is this, the ripple effect of when we heal ourselves, we make great change into other people's lives in the world. Yeah, this is this is like big um dramatic like I don't know. It's like an ex- a full out world view I have. But I yeah. really believe that if we were all fully in our bodies, we mm-hmm. would be connected to our emotions and our feelings and our empathy. And if we're fully connected to our emotions, feeling empathy, we can't inflict violence on others. We're not capable yeah. of it because the guilt and shame we would feel is too painful. So I really believe that all these huge concept things like all the isms, colonial, colonialism, racism, sexism, all of these isms, I'm like, I really believe it comes back to the, the embodiment and my backgrounds in social work, right? So I used to be really deep in the world of activism and I feel that there's a there's a reciprocal relationship there where if we heal our own bodies, our systems change and our systems shape how we live in our own bodies. Like it's like both are important. Like we need the activism, like the protests and all this stuff. And we and we also need the embodiment and they go hand in hand so beautifully and I think a lot of people Mm. actually think they're opposing but they're not Mm. yeah I love that they're opposing but they're and that beautiful the the theme of duality keeps coming up that they seem maybe they feel different but they can actually be merged into something that gets us on the path where we need to go yeah exactly I think it's exactly the duality thing because I used to struggle a lot I was like well do I want to be an activist or do I want to be in the like spiritual self-help world like I don't know which one to be in 
it re- yeah. that was really big for me for a long time and then I realized I'm like no I don't like you say in your podcast inclusive spirituality I love that so much because mm-hmm. that's exactly what it is like no it it not only can be all of that but it actually needs to be all of it I feel mm-hmm. yeah wow thank you Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that I really noticed from your story with the assault, where you said no, and it wasn't listened to, where to where you heard your own once and you listened to them, and then you weren't listened to, and then you were listened to, and then you're helping all these other women find ways to listen to themselves. Um, and we didn't get to touch on it, but you do a lot of work around LGBTQ plus visibility as well, as well as activism. The big theme besides duality, of course. Maybe that's more than two. But it's really being heard and also standing in your power. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so beautiful. And I, I really feel like you, you know what I really feel lately is like nature is so brilliant, right? Like nature is so brilliant to the point that like something that's poisonous, like a plant that's poisonous for humans is often Mm. situated beside a plant that is the medicine for that poison. Like that's a really common design in nature. Um, And I feel like nature is so brilliantly designed that if all of us just really, really are who we are, it's like a puzzle piece. Like it's like a puzzle and it's like, it's going to just fit. But, th- but things go haywire <laughs> when we try to be something else or we shame who we are. And so I feel like just embodying our, our truth and being who we are, that is the healing. And like, mm. for me, like, there's so many aspects of myself in my life have been like, no, this isn't good. You shouldn't be this. Um, like I was saying, having those wants, um, and still unpacking like some internalized homophobia that I have like yeah. like no you shouldn't be this you shouldn't be attracted to women all these things like that it's like mm-hmm. the more I uncover that and own who who I actually am and who nature or spirit or whatever made me to be the more I see that rippling out as healing the more I see that mm-hmm. creating joy around me the more I see other people being like oh maybe it's okay for me to come out maybe it's okay for me to speak up about an assault maybe you know and I think that's just like so beautiful and also pretty simple like it's a pretty simple worldview like you know like every if everyone's a little puzzle piece it's like clean up your little puzzle piece and then we'll all be good (laughs) (laughs) it's probably oversimplified but but I do, I do think that that, that, that is, is pretty real. Mm. Oh, thank you so much. We're almost running out of time, sadly. So I'm going to ask you the last four questions that I ask everyone. The mm. first being, what would you tell your younger self knowing all that you know now? Mm. Honestly, all I can think of is just, I love you. That's, re- that's really like all I can think of. <laughs> it feels perfect yeah Mm, that's beautiful and what do you hope to learn from your future self Mm, um to trust definitely one of my biggest things is to like try and make it all happen on my own and to and to also um like be patient 
Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really like, I have all these dreams and I want to do them by tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and so I feel like my older self is like, trust. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all in divine timing. Wow. That's beautiful. And also you said you're a fire sign. So, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. All fire. <laughs> um, and wow. I can't believe if you're already so wise and so insightful and doing such amazing work now, I can't imagine what your future self is going to do. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm excited. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm a fun grandma in the making. Like <laughs> yeah, that should be a t-shirt. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Awesome. And how do you connect with your highest self or higher self? I would say um, through service, actually, like honestly, doing this interview is like helps me really realize that like I I really Mm -hmm. through through podcast interviews like this, through sharing my voice, through helping others, through passing on the empowerment tools that have really helped me and seeing Mm -hmm. people transform with those. I'm like, wow. So, yeah, definitely service. No one has ever answered with service before. Cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I usually, I have some like go-to things and I was going to say one of them and I was like, actually, no, it's, it's service. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, that reminds me of the most 12-step programs talk about service as one of the biggest ways that we can get into our recovery. That's yeah. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and last question is, what does empowered spirituality mean to you? Hmm. Um, when I hear the word, again, I think of the, the duality we've been talking about. When I hear empowered, I think of like a very grounded, like feet firm in the earth, like almost like a mountain sort of energy. And yeah. so to me, empowered spirituality feels like really grounded, embodied, mm. whole spirituality. Mm. I love that answer. Thank you. Will you tell everyone how they can work with you and where they can find you? Yes. So um, follow me on Instagram. That's definitely my my most active virtual playground. And it's Marley List. So M-A-R-L-E-E-L-I-S-S. I always tell people I'm a human. So message me, say hi. Um, if you click the link in my bio, you'll find my totally free training on how to claim unstoppable body love. It's super, super beautiful and information packed. So check that out. And yeah, I think that's, that's all for now. Yeah. Well, I can cut this, but I saw on Instagram that you're starting a podcast. Yeah. Um, Okay. Yes. Okay. So no, don't, you don't need to cut that. Um, (laughs) I'm like, that's all for now. And also the million other things I do. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yes I'm launching my podcast soon it's called the sensual revolution yes and I'm really excited about it I have my first two guests lined up already hopefully one day we'll have Sam on and we can collab on that um but yeah I'm really excited about that so definitely if you follow me on Instagram I'll keep you all updated there um I also have my Facebook group free global community for women all women um reclaiming sensuality body love and my my program is going to be launching again soon as well the sensual wholeness academy again just follow me on Instagram. You'll get all of these updates. 
Wow. Yes. So everyone must follow you because you have so many cool things in the works. Thank you. (laughs) Is there anything that you'd like to add before we close? Just thank you. And thank you so much to everyone for listening. Like I always really, really am so grateful to share with you all. And this has been so fun and beautiful. So thank you, Sam. Thank you. It can be challenging to find a community of supportive people to share in our spiritual journeys with. We all need support and love no matter where we are on our personal journeys. So I am excited to announce that I have created the space for just that. In the Empowered Spirituality community, you will receive a weekly video lesson, weekly journaling prompts, access to an additional guided meditation every week, monthly group meetings and teachings via Zoom, and access to a loving and supportive online community. Additionally, all members will receive 20% off of all of their coaching sessions. You can follow the link in the show notes for this community offer or visit patreon.com slash